Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. And I'm Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are sharing our advice on buying your first guitar or bass and how to get started on your new musical journey. Yeah. Uh, getting your first instrument is um, extremely overwhelming sometimes. Um and from uh, determining like which brand uh, to um, understanding like how to get started with playing, um, it can just be a lot um, for first-time musicians. And um, even if you've if you've played before and, and you haven't done it in a while, and maybe you used to have a guitar when you were a kid, and you sold it, um, you know, kind of getting back into it is is truly a it's like relearning. It's going through the experience again, you know. So for sure, um, yeah. Um, so uh, we just thought we would uh, kind of give our opinions on um, some of the brands that we feel are good for beginners um, and also uh, some tips you can use to practice and improve um, as as an instrumentalist, as a musician in general. Yeah, and, and obviously um, this really, as far as the brands and stuff, this really depends on your budget. And so I say we just dive in. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, if, if you're just getting your first instrument ever and you don't even know if you're going to like it, you're probably not going to spend a lot of money um, mm -hmm. on the instrument. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And so also we're sp specifically talking about like electric, acoustic guitar and bass in mm -hmm. this video because that's kind of what we specialize in. So um, say that your budget in guitar is um, like under $250. Uh, there are some brands that we recommend. And so I guess first, um, what are your opinions, Dustin, on first time musician acoustic versus electric? Uh, as far as brands go? Or... Just even like they don't know what they want yet, which is uh, better for the beginner. Good question. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. So I've 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 always kind of been of the mind that you should pick the instrument that is going to to suit the the type of music you want to play. So if you want to play, you know, folk and singer-songwriter and bluegrass or something like that, I mean maybe acoustic's the better option for you. Um if you if you want to play rock and roll, like obviously, you know, the electric is is probably the better uh choice. That said, like I have I've definitely heard a lot of people say um, you know, start on acoustic because it's a little bit harder and, you know, if you can master that, you can master the electric and and to some degree I see where people are coming from because it is harder to like often to press down the strings or to bend strings on an acoustic guitar. So when if you can get good at that, it, transferring to an electric does make it easier. But at the same time, I, personally, I just feel like they're they are quite different, you know, like. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, it's definitely going to be whatever kind of music you're wanting to play. Like if you like rock music and you want to be able to like do guitar solos and, you know, if you just generally like electric guitar music better of course you're going to want to go with that <laughs> right, you know right. what i mean but if you all if you want um to just kind of sing songs and w sing with your friends and do the campfire thing or you know you really like john denver or something like that <laughs> like obviously the acoustic's going to be the way to go yeah 
Um, but there's no like hard set rule on it. Like I started on electric guitar. Oh, did you? Which a lot okay. of people don't. Yeah, I started um, on acoustic when I picked up guitar. Yeah, so. I mean, it's also too, you have to think about with an electric guitar, you do, you are going to have to budget for like an amp right. and cables and all that kind of stuff. So think about that too. Like you can get just a straight up acoustic guitar for cheaper than you could get an electric with an amp. So you have yeah. to kind of think about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, and this is just getting right into the brands. Um, Squire makes a really good beginner guitar pack. Um, yeah. Squire is actually made by Fender, which is a company I think most people have at least seen in their lives. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they're good at everything. Um, so they make like a Squire beginner pack and it's basically a Strat, uh, Stratocaster, um, it comes with a little amp, like I think cables, books, tuner. It's it's kind of everything. Yeah. And I mean, it's not super affordable. It's I think it's still like three or four hundred bucks. It's about three. Yeah, it's about yeah. three. Yeah. When you think about though having to buy a guitar and then an amp separately, you are going to save money with that option. Yeah. Um, the amp is not, I it's not great. Um, and you really, I, as far as I know, they still only have they're just clean amps. Like it's. It's not going to give you like distortion or anything like that in those pack amps. So just think about that too. Like uh, if you want to play Master of Puppets and have it sound like Master of Puppets, that amp will not do that for you on its own. So (laughs) just so you know, I mean, so so definitely weigh that option. But I think in general, um, Squire Stratocasters for a first time electric guitar buyer, I mean, they're great guitars. Yeah. Yeah. you know, they're, they're sturdy. They're really hard to break if you're buying it for a kid. And if, um, if they do break, the parts are easy to replace. Right. As well. Yeah. 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 Um, and then um, so so I guess the big the two big like heavy players that everybody are going to is going to know, I think, in um, electric guitar world is Gibson and Fender. Mm-hmm. And that's really because they're just classic American brands. And I mean, unless you're listening to this podcast elsewhere, but even then, I think worldwide they're still like two of the biggest names in in guitar for sure um and gibson makes an affordable guitar brand uh they bought it wasn't always owned by gibson but they bought this company called epiphone and epiphone is kind of like the affordable line for for gibson guitars they're they're about they're pretty evenly priced with squire yeah um because squire has some like little bit higher middle tier like classic vibe yeah is a you know is a series what, yeah series model of squire guitars that are a little bit more expensive mm-hmm. but they are a lot better i will say definitely like, um the classic vibe basses that i've played were very impressive they're very good yeah. yeah it's it's like as close as you can get to a fender guitar without a fender price tag mm-hmm. um and it kind of is the same for Epiphone. Like they probably get up, I would say like 800 bucks is like the most expensive Epiphone, which seems like a lot to a lot of people. Um, but guitars are <laughs> pricey investments for sure. Yeah, yeah. Bases are too, but <clears throat> I'm just kind of speaking strictly on guitar for a minute. Um, and they're going to have differences between like a Fender Stratocaster and a Gibson Les Paul. Definitely. Um, Huge difference. Yeah, yeah. they're very different guitars, even though they're both electric guitars. um, Where you've probably heard the sound, um, they they can be used for anything. They're both solid electric guitars. But um, just kind of in general, 
Gibson guitars like the Les Paul come with these pickups called humbuckers, right? And they're generally like a good bit warmer and thicker sounding. Mm -hmm. Whereas a Fender Stratocaster has single coil pickups and they're a lot thinner and kind of a bluesy sound. So if you like John Mayer, that's a great example of like a Fender Strat sound. John Mayer, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, that kind of bluesy, mm. stratty sound. Whereas Gibson Les Paul is a lot more of like a rock guitar, typically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like Led Zeppelin, yeah, Jimmy Led Page, Zeppelin, you know, yeah. Ace Freely. Like it's it's the rock guitar. Um, so kind of, I would I would do some searching on YouTube too and listen to different examples yeah. before you decide on what kind of electric guitar you want to get because they are pretty different um and the necks can be really different too so i always recommend if this is your first guitar that you're buying like you can get it on amazon and that would be fine but it really does kind of matter how it feels in your hands yeah so if you can get to a music store and actually play a guitar before you buy it i think you'll find that you're going to be a lot happier Definitely. With your purchase. But um, in bass world, not so much Gibson. Like, they do make basses, but... Of course, yeah. Um, what do you think for, like, basses as far as, like, Fender versus... Uh, you mean, it's like, as far as beginner? Like, when you... Like, like or, or just, like, for your first guitar? Or you mean those yeah. particular two brands? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, you can... We can get into both. I yeah. mean, your first guitar, um, or, you know, you're a returning guitar player, and you just want to know what to look for in a guitar. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So I, I love, I love both. Um, I actually don't own any Gibson basses. Um, I, I'd like to have one, but, um, kind of like what you were saying, they're a little bit on, like on the darker side, like mm-hmm. the tonally, um, their, uh, their necks are chunkier. Um, to me, they always seem heavier, but that could just be my, my interpretation. Cause I think a lot of people say that they feel like like Gibson basses are lighter than Fenders. I don't know. I I, I couldn't say. I for mean, sure. if it's anything like a Les Paul, Les Pauls are usually pretty heavy. Pretty heavy if they're yeah. solid, um, some of the really expensive Les Pauls, like a Gibson line of Les Paul, they started hollowing them out a little bit so that they weren't Quite so heavy, heavy anymore. Oh, okay. But like, yeah, like a real a original kind of style Gibson Les Paul is pretty heavy. It's solid mahogany and it's it's pretty thick. So. Yeah. You know, kind of put that in too. Like, a, a, in general, a Les Paul is going to be way heavier than a Strat. Okay. Yeah. So, Italian. yeah. If you, if, if maybe you're getting into guitar and you know that you plan on performing and, and maybe you have like a bad shoulder or a bad back, like maybe not, not, maybe the Les Paul isn't the way to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, as far as the, the basses in general, I mean, I'll talk starter stuff first. Like, actually, my first bass was a part of a starter pack, like you were talking about, but it was actually Ibanez. Um, hmm. And I, I really like that. And honestly, I think I would probably push for that rather than starting with like a Squire starter pack for bass. And the only reason I say that is because I feel like the Ibanez, usually the Ibanez bass starter packs have the exact same pickup arrangement as like a, a P bass or like a PJ situation. Um, which uh, for those of you listening, if you don't know what that means, a, a P bass is short for precision bass. Um, there's a whole history behind the name there. We'll go into later. Um, and then uh, J bass is, you know, jazz bass. Uh, and they're, they're basically the jazz bass pickup is like kind of a longer, like, like thinner kind of almost like finger length or a little longer pickup. Whereas the precision pickups are kind of like two, two smaller ones stacked um, kind of next to each other. Um, so anyway, uh, my starter bass was a PJ style. So I had a lot oh, of tonal cool. versatility. Um, 
the the stuff it came with, you know, was pretty standard. The amp, the the cable, the headphones, all that stuff. Um, but I think the problem I've noticed is that with like the Squire starter bases, like the Affinity series, usually if you're gonna if you're gonna get a, be- a beginner guitar, like I would avoid Affinity series Squires. Um, they're just about as cheap as you can get. And is the Affinity cheaper than the Bullet? It, I don't know. I don't think so. You'll be able to tell, honestly, even if you've never picked up a guitar. Uh, when you pick up the really cheap Squire versus like whatever the next step up, up is. And I, I, yeah, you'll I be able to do can, that at yeah. the guitar store. But I think even in, in somebody's hands, a good way to tell is on the really cheap Squires. Not always are the fret ends kind of sticking out. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the the neck is very uh, baseball bat feeling. Not, And mm. I don't mean in size. I mean it's unfinished and it's very raw feeling. There's literally no finish on it at yeah. all. Yeah, it feels like you're you're rubbing like, like a stick that you've whittled or yeah. something. It's yeah, kind of yeah. weird. There's literally no finish on it mm. at all. Like it's not even like an oil gun. What do they call that? Uh, is it gun I oil? Know. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Well, sometimes it, you can unfinish a neck, but it's still like finished in this oil so that the wood doesn't like dry out or... yeah this they didn't care like the wood is just like literally unfinished like it came off a planer <laughs> and they stuck it on the guitar okay. so if you kind of feel that like that's um not a good sign i mean i would avoid it because like you know there's literally nothing on it to protect it from anything right uh but if that's the only thing in your budget those are still great guitars yeah you yeah. know what i mean like mm-hmm. it Compared to a lot of other guitars, they're solid. Like you, you you're not going to go wrong getting that. And I th- I'm sure it's the same for the bass. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 then the other thing I would say with bass, like when we were talking about the Gibson and Fender thing, um, if if you are tr- going to spend a little bit more money and you and get a nicer um, instrument, um, then personally, I've always preferred Fenders more. I love the way they feel. I love the way they sound. Um, and um, if if you have a goal of of getting into this professionally, um, if you want to do, you know, freelance work, if you want to play cover gigs or original music, whatever, um, the kind of the golden standard of bass guitar was the P bass, and still is to this day the precision bass, which is like the first mass produced bass guitar ever. It was like the fifty one precision bass. Um, so. And the reason is um, it just sits really well in a mix. Um, there's something about the way, you know, the pickups are configured, I guess, and the, the way they're, you know, kind of the, the EQ comes out. I don't know. I'm not, I mean, you have better probably words for this than I do, Mel, because you you were luthier. So, like, I'm just going off of, like, experience and, and from, you know, what, what, what I've heard and noticed. Um, but if you look at, you know, records from the past and like most of your favorite records they they were probably the bass lines were probably played on a precision bass or a jazz bass um not to mention that uh especially this is maybe a good thing for for those of you considering buying an instrument for a kid um squires and fenders like i mean it's it's not like they're unbreakable because they can definitely break but they're really not takes a lot it takes a lot, and they're really not hard to either repair or to replace parts on. They were kind of designed that way. Um, like Leo Fender, from from what I've heard, what I've read, you know, he was very much like a, a logical, pragmatic kind of designer. Um, whereas Gibson was a little bit more about the, the visual flair and kind of you know making it a little fancier. 
But, uh, and, and many of you listening probably know this, they're also known for snapping at the headstock a lot. Uh, so if you Gibsons get, are, by the way. Yeah, Gibsons, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, uh, or Epiphone, uh, because that has happened to my Epiphone guitar. I, I, yeah. uh, the, the, the headstock snapped off, got it fixed. It looks amazing. You can never tell, but um, shout out to Southeastern Guitar Repair uh, in Buford, Georgia for fixing that for me. Um, but honestly, Gibson can't really, they can help the problem. But the thing with Gibsons is they're kind of in that, I think classic car people will really understand this analogy. It's kind of in that realm of like, they people know it's a flaw. Like they, they know it's a design flaw, but like they don't want it any other way because this is how it's always been done. And it's like a very traditional guitar company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Fender is kind of the same way. Like you were right. They're kind of like the, I guess you could say like the Ford motor company of guitar companies. That's a great way to put it. They literally like literally Fender finishes are car paint originally. That's, that's literally what they were. And you can tell when you look at them, it looks like fifties and sixties car color. Totally. Uh, Whereas Gibson was like the, the natural finish. They would just kind of, um, stain. Yeah. Stain the wood so you can actually see the wood a lot more on gibson's traditionally um they painted stuff later but um so just keep that in mind too and i will say um in general fender does have more options of say this isn't like your very first guitar and you actually want like a fender they for guitar and basses they have a mexican series that's basically made in corona no corona california is the i don't know where the mexican ones are made but um they're basically the same thing as the american yeah uh basses and guitars i mean really and truly they they are all three fenders that i own are are made in mexico yeah not american (laughs) and they're so much more affordable Mm -hmm. so like if you want to do like a mid-tier fender uh strat that's actually a really good guitar but it's not gonna break the bank mm-hmm. uh look at the mexican series yeah um yeah. gibson doesn't really have a cheap series if it says gibson on it it's it comes that comes with a price tag kind of automatically i yeah. mean they have cheaper models of guitars um but nothing is really gonna be cheap with gibson. There's like nothing under like 800 these days it seems no. like like brand new you know and and that's like low bar like you know, they they clearly didn't care all that much about the guitar as, you know, yeah. they were putting it out kind of thing. I so. mean, just me personally, this is going to be a hot take. I wouldn't get a cheap Gibson. Yeah. No, I agree. I, if you're going to get a Gibson, like, you might as well spend the money. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, a, a Les Paul standard, oh, I don't even know now. This is like twenty five, three thousand, Probably. Something Maybe, like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's the budget I would spend if you're going to get a Gibson. And that's not to say you can't find one used. Used is always great with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Gibsons, like we were saying, if you buy it used, really make sure that you know if the headstock's been broken. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is, a, 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 you, you can get it a lot cheaper if it has been. And, and, and other stuff to look for too, um, just in general when, when buying a guitar, um, whether it's Gibson or, or another um like one of the first things you should do, of course, like when you when you plug it in. And by the way, uh, if if you are a returning buyer, um, I suggest plugging the guitar into an amp that's going to be as close to yours as possible because you really want to make sure you're you're getting kind of a more even tone. And honestly, the truth is, I think like a lot of places, like if you're serious about buying a guitar, a lot of places will probably let you bring your amp in and and let you try it through. Yeah, your, through I your don't rig. think I don't think anybody would really care unless it's like a fucking. 
you know, 200 watt half stack, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have to, I have to play it. Like I do at my shows. I have to turn it to 10 you guys. Yeah. Don't do right. that. But yeah, don't do that. Um, but, um, yeah. So things like, you know, uh, checking for, this is smaller stuff, checking for cracks in the finish, um, which is going to be more likely within, with a, a used guitar or a vintage guitar. If it's new and it has a crack, like they, they oh, I've know. seen it. Yeah. I've seen oh, like really? Fender strats out of the box that like, I think it was more the Squire ones, but like where they like would screw the pick guard down too tight and it would just like crack the paint. <gasps> oh shit. Yeah. Okay. And, and Fender paint is like, uh, or Fender is um, polyurethane, like a uh, finish. Mm-hmm. So um, when it cracks, it cracks in chips. So keep that right. in mind. Yes. It does not dent very well. It chips extremely well. Yeah. Like yeah. that whole chunk will come off. My penis so, right over there. So, yeah, has chunks right? taken out. Yeah. Of it. yeah, yeah. So just keep that in mind too. Like, um, you know, that's that's a thing. So if you see the chips and you don't like them, I mean, it's kind of part of the the Fender thing. But um, just be aware. Uh, and if you if it, if it is cracked, it will chip eventually. Mm. So don't buy it if you don't want chips out of your guitar. Right. At some point. Um, but I mean, that's an easy one, right? I think most people. If you're going to buy a guitar, if you see a crack in it, you're probably going to be like, ah, I'm good. Um, but some some other things like electronics um, and specifically, uh, you know, like um, whether it's an active or passive bass or, you know, guitar, like um, when you're checking the electronics, you want to have it plugged in. You want to twist the knobs, but you also should like play something and let it ring out and twist it. Because I have noticed that sometimes it's not crackling if, if you're just like holding the guitar and not playing anything. But if you do hit a note and then start to turn the knob, it, it'll crackle. And I don't know why, but um, it's just dirty. I mean, it, well, I mean, I know why it's crackling. Yeah, yeah. I guess I just don't know why. Like, it won't do it when mm. when you're not playing. I just I don't know. But point is, uh, yeah, there's like dirt and stuff probably in there, which is an easy fix. But it's still something you want to look for because you don't want to take home a brand new guitar and then deal with that. Yeah. Um, and most most of that stuff electronically is is pretty easy to fix. Uh, a little um, contact cleaner, which is uh, available at like Home Depot, um, you just spray it on there and twist it around a whole bunch, twist the knob around, and and usually that'll take care of it. But mm-hmm. um, if you if you are looking at an active bass, um, a lot of active bases they have uh, the, basically they have a preamp that is powered by a nine volt battery, usually one, sometimes two. Um, what you want to do is is check each of those EQ knobs, obviously for crackles, but also to make sure they're actually doing something. Because you know your bass EQ knob on your on on a active bass may not be working, and so you know obviously that's an issue. And you want to make sure that if you're going to spend the money, that all of the the electronics work properly. Um, which means that if you aren't sure what they're supposed to do um, before you buy it, talk to somebody there because, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many students I've had that come in with a new active base. Um, and they're like, you know, not, they completely unaware of, of what any of the controls do. And, and so that, you know, and yeah, like that's part of the lesson and that's fine. Like I'm happy to explain it because I love bass, um, and, and I love teaching, but, um, it's, you should be familiar with your equipment, especially if you're a returning buyer, like make sure, you know, what each of those things does because you may realize like oh this is more than i need and and then you don't need to spend the money on an active base just because marcus miller uses one you know um right anyway no i mean that's true and and there are active guitars as well like more in the 
it's usually more in like the metal world mm. um, the guitars take batteries but it basically if you don't want to change the battery in your guitar don't don't get an active yeah. bass or guitar so because <laughs> um, it is kind of a pain and I will say too um, if you plan on like playing out or if you don't plan on changing the battery a lot especially with the basses if when that battery starts to go bad some crazy alien noises oh, yeah. start coming out of the bass yes, like it do. sounds nuts it's it like <laughs> <laughs> it's like really weird. It is really weird. Um, the guitar, it just kind of starts to sound like crap. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it doesn't do. I mean, it may be some guitars, but it was always the basses. And I think that's more of like the preamp circuitry is yeah. like, ah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's dying. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like metal, if you're really into like the metal world, uh, probably the biggest heavy hitter in that brand wise is probably Ibanez. Uh, which they're made in Japan originally, um, but they have all kinds of models too. So they have beginner models and they they obviously have models that are thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and uh, in the metal world now, you guys have probably seen if you're into like metal music, like Polyphia and all that kind of stuff, um, the guitars with no headstocks are a really big thing right now with the fan frets. Mm -hmm. And basically, if, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like, so guitar frets are usually um, like horizontal on the neck and um, not really, they're straight. They're all straight. They're yeah, parallel, yeah. parallel all the way, go. all the way down. Um, fan frets, it's like they're organized in a way that's supposed to be like really ergonomic and you can play super fast. Um, but I mean, honestly, I think they do have models that are cheaper now. But makes some too. Strandberg is the big like headless yeah, brand right mm -hmm. now, but those are pretty expensive. So unless you're, I wouldn't recommend that to somebody if this is your first guitar. Definitely. But if you want to experiment with something like that, check out that brand because they're um, they're kind of a big deal right now. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, and basically, too, this is kind of acoustic or electric, and I'm, I want to get into acoustic in just a minute, but. Making sure too, like that you check every fret on the guitar or bass mm -hmm. before you buy it. Definitely, because um, sometimes the fret may kind of be out of its slot a little bit, or the neck may be kind of messed up a little bit. And basically, it's called fretting out, but it just it doesn't make a note basically, yeah. or mm -hmm. it's the same note as the next fret above it. You really want to avoid that because that's like a major issue if, if it's just the fret needs to be hammered back in the slot it's not a big deal um, like all of these things can be fixed but it's a lot of extra money that you're gonna have right, to put into exactly. it so like you know pick your pick your battle yeah pick your battle yeah, <laughs> yeah, for like, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah do you want to deal with that and if not don't don't get that mm -hmm. um and so and and for acoustic guitars right let's let's kind of dive into that a little bit because this is a little bit of a different world Mm. Um, to be honest. Um, so the big heavy players, like the Gibson and Fender, quote unquote, of acoustic guitars is Taylor and Martin. Um, they're both American brands. Um, Martin is the been the guitar forever, like the acoustic guitar. It was like the original um dreadnought kind of look. Um they've like been the around 1800s, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were like the Civil War. Guitar. I think it was before that. I think it was like 1839. Don't quote me on that, but something like that. Yeah. It says it on all of them, I think. So, um, you know, it's been around forever, but that 
comes with both of those guitar brands are generally pretty expensive. They're very nice guitars. Um, again, they have like some cheaper models. Um, and I will say if, if you are set on like Martin versus Taylor, like these are great guitar brands. If you want it, if you're wanting to spend less than a thousand to a Taylor, cause oh, they're really? real wood. Mm, so okay. the Martin, uh, cheap, cheap Martins are like the composite back and oh. sides. So they're basically like plasticky. Um, so in my opinion, you should get a guitar that's solid wood. And so like the GS mini by Taylor, those are solid and they're small. Um, yeah, the little Martins are just not really my, my cup of tea, but you know, if you want a Martin and you want the small, small Martin, kind of like the Ed Sheeran thing, although some of them may be solid back and sides, but not the ones I'm thinking of, like the really cheaper ones, like Mm -hmm. the affordable ones, basically for most people are, um, are not so great. So kind of keep that in mind. And, and realistically, if you don't even have, um, like, like $700 or so to spend, um, and this is kind of your first guitar, like if you say, say your budget's like 250 ish, which is the cheapest that I would go, honestly. Yeah, any cheaper than that. Um, and I know that not everybody can do that, but, uh, if you can spend 250, that's like kind of like where they start to actually be like pretty okay guitars. Um, I would do Yamaha. Mm, okay. Yamaha also makes electric guitars and basses, mm-hmm. but you don't, you don't see them that much. <laughs> um, Yamaha acoustic guitars are definitely huge. Um, if you go into like your local guitar center, it's half of the main room is Yamaha. Oh, wow. So is it really? It's I didn't a even lot. notice that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Hmm. Um, or at least a, a huge chunk of the main room. Yeah. And Yamaha has some stuff that gets kind of expensive like seven eight hundred bucks oh yeah and well like i said like they do drum sets like the, their studio customs and stage custom drum sets are like highly sought after right some of their bases are are actually um really nice so but yeah yamaha um another one actually because my first acoustic guitar was an alvarez um, oh yeah and it was a decent guitar it was like maybe maybe a 300 hundred dollar guitar and yeah. um it lasted a really long time um the only reason i i stopped using it is because I, I i part of the 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 um front uh got like cracked oh, yeah. a little bit um and uh and then another one actually um the epiphone hummingbird i've heard is really good and that's that's kind of it's more than like a yamaha but yeah. less than like a taylor or martin so if you can afford like a mid-level like you could probably find a used hummingbird for like six maybe probably five or six yeah. especially like you know if somebody's trying to get rid of it and that is an epiphone hummingbird yes epiphone hummingbird so gibson also makes acoustics uh obviously because mm-hmm. epiphone's owned by gibson the j series but right they have the j series the gibson hummingbird that's what i was saying like if if you look it up on reverb it's not going to be five or six hundred bucks if it says gibson but yeah make sure it's yeah, um, epiphone. Yeah. yeah um yeah gibson makes acoustic guitars and they're actually really really great I mean, they're, Mm. they're, I would consider them like a platinum level acoustic. Um, I, you don't see them as much though, as, as Martin or Taylor. Um, but they're, I mean, they're solid guitars, but they're also very expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, there's a lot of guitar brands out there that aren't bad. Breed Love is not a bad guitar brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ovation sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like ovations. That's that's the kind Another that kind of have the the round backs. 
is it a hot take? I feel like most people... I, I feel like most people I know hate them, but yeah. like there are some people that will die on that hill. And if you really love ovations, um, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to personally offend you, but I hate those guitars so yeah. much. They're, I mean, you know, they're half plastic, so... Right. And when you sit down and try to play them, like, it rolls off your tummy. It's the worst. <laughs> Especially if you're a little chubby. Like, just, <laughs> it falls on the floor. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so kind of keep that in mind. Uh, Takamine, Takamini, however Takamine, you say yeah. that, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not bad. They, they originally were in big trouble, I think, in the 70s because they were accused and guilty of copying um, Martin, like, hardcore. Really? I mean, like, the design, the bracing was the same, and they were wow. selling them for, like, 700 bucks. And so everybody wanted Dang. them. And they got in trouble because even, like, the headstock, I'll show you a picture later, it was, like, literally, like, like the exact um, same. Martin coffee. Oh yeah, gosh. yeah. It just said Takami. But anyway, those are those are decent. I mean, they, they have some models that are really, really good. That was um my brother's first acoustic guitar. He got an acoustic before I did, but uh it was good. It was solid wood and I think stuff. I've played one before. A Takamini, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I've played one. Are they Japanese? Probably. They sound Japanese. The I don't does, I yeah. don't know. I, I so I would say yes, and then somebody's gonna be like, What is Korean? <laughs> so <laughs> but it sounds Japanese, I would assume. Um yeah, so there are tons of brands. Another kind of, I guess it's a hot take because somebody's going to be like, what? That's what I have. Fender acoustics are not, um, for the most part, great. Yeah, I have one and I can tell you for sure they're not that great. Yeah. <laughs> it gets the job done. Yeah. But... I mean, they're workhorses, but they're not, I wouldn't buy one, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that range, I would do Yamaha or any of the other brands that we're saying pretty much over Fender. Yeah. Um, Guild is making a comeback. Guild guitars. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah, starting to come sure. back. And some of them are good. You know, honestly, the the thing with acoustics, and this is going to be way more like heavily important for the acoustic guitar, is to play it before you leave. Because with an acoustic guitar, it literally is the instrument itself. Like there's no amp Unless it's an acoustic electric, but that's yeah. different. There's no amp to make it sound good. Like an acoustic is the instrument itself. So even in the same model, in the same brand, two guitars can sound pretty different. Yeah. So like I would not get an acoustic on the internet um, over going in person. I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do. But if you can go and play them, I think you'll you'll be surprised too going from brand to brand. Like... um you know, you would think, oh, Fender, that's a huge brand. You'll play a Fender acoustic and then pick up a Yamaha. You'll be like, oh, this is way cheaper and sounds, sounds way better. better. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. just go go and like experiment with it. Um, I think that's really important for acoustic guitars. Yeah. Um, and that was specifically like steel string acoustic guitars. You can also do nylon string acoustic guitars, which is more of like the classical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and for affordable brands in that, I don't think you can really beat Cordoba right now. Um, they're kind of like the the mass produced classical guitar right now, but they're mm. actually really, they have some really good models. Um, but they're, I'm trying to remember more, Lucero is one. I think that they're fine. Um, I'm not so much of a classical guitar person, mm-hmm. so I may not be like the person to really recommend kind of stuff like that. But Cordoba seems really good for, for a cheap price. Yeah. So um, if you don't want your fingers to to hurt so much, um, 
classical classical is you know but also keep in mind i wouldn't recommend it for really little kids because the necks are a lot bigger Mm -hmm. thicker wider wider is the right word yeah um on classical guitars and it i mean it's hard for me to do certain chords on classical guitars yeah probably because i'm not used to it but also it is a significant difference in width i mean it's it's impressive yeah i mean i mean uh, so basically the the width of a classical guitar neck is like wider than like a standard four string bass guitar. So like it's pretty it's pretty big. If you have little hands, it's not for you. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. I mean probably um, not. Was... I mean I, I you know that said I've seen you know little children playing full size uh, classical classical guitar. guitars. So if you're determined, like don't let us stop you. <laughs> you know no, if you want to do all. it, like. But that said, um, I, I do agree. I th- I think you know. For the most part, and and just for like, you know, the the cost effectiveness and like durability. Like, if you're gonna get a guitar for a little kid, like get a Squire Bullet or, or Squire Affinity. Like, if you really want to go cheap and you just want them to get introduced to it, uh, you know, because it's it's just it's a lot easier to break easier. an acoustic guitar, yeah, because they're hollow. Um, yeah, so right. and I'm talking generalization, but I've seen a lot more broken acoustic. Guitars, guitars yeah from yeah. like kids like mm-hmm. you know so just think about that too like it you know it's kind of the audience <laughs> if, right. if, it, if it's you're getting it for a really little kid and you know that they're not good at taking care of their stuff um an acoustic may be um kind of a, a rougher you're gonna have a rougher go at it right yeah <laughs> but um mm-hmm. you know it, it is it, like we were saying earlier, it's kind of just whatever you want to do. Like if the kid is dead set on he wants to play classical guitar. I never met a kid that was dead set on that yeah. yet in my life. Yeah. But um, if 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 they want to, like let them try. You know yeah. what I mean? But in general, it, it is really hard to kind of stretch your hands that far, even for me. Um, and I do have littler hands than a lot of people, but definitely have bigger hands than a really little kid. Um, also, uh, when you're buying, uh, acoustics, there are some specific things you want to really make sure that aren't broken. Uh, really common one is the bridge will start to come up. So mm-hmm. the bridge is the, the piece where the strings go into the body of the guitar. Um, usually it's like a little piece of wood, like a little strip of wood, um, that your strings literally look like they're going into, um, that will come up a lot. Because mm-hmm. the weight of the strings at full tuning, I, I think I've read, this is probably wrong. I mean, it's like 70 pounds of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. For sure. When when you got your strings all, when you got, you got your strings all up to tune. So um, it will kind of like raise the bridge off of the body. And that's, that's bad. Because uh, it eventually will come up all the way and, and you don't have a guitar anymore. <laughs> and you're screwed. Or at least not the one that works. Right. So um, really look for that. Um the make sure that the nut at the top isn't cracked or broken. That's more likely to happen on an acoustic guitar because the strings are thicker and mm. and you know they weigh more and they're just bigger, so they'll kind of mess up the nut sometimes. And then another thing with acoustic guitars um, that we kind of haven't really talked about, but basically another big difference between Squire guitar or Fender guitars and Gibson guitars is what we were talking about earlier, fenders are easy to fix. That's really a big part of that's because the neck bolts onto the body. Mm-hmm. So there's like a plate and screws. And so you can take the neck off of a, a Stratocaster or a, a Fender guitar or a bass. 
But Gibson guitars are kind of, they're more like acoustic, most acoustic guitars. Um, They are glued in place, uh, which obviously poses a lot of, that's why you can't just replace the neck when your headstock breaks. Mm -hmm. Um, Surprising fact though, Taylor acoustic guitars do have bolt on necks. So you can hmm. take the neck off of a Taylor acoustic. I never even bothered to look. I didn't so that. keep that in mind. It's in the body. I mean, it doesn't look like it doesn't have like a plate, like a fender, oh, but okay. it's inside the body. There's like a little Taylor sticker. You just peel that off and you can take the neck off, which okay. is pretty awesome. Yeah. So, th- you know, that's another benefit for Taylor. Um, but even with really expensive acoustic guitars where the neck meets the body, it will like, I guess, settle is the right word. And then after that, because it doesn't have the the support of the body, it dips really low. There's like a bend in the neck right mm. as it leaves the body. Okay. That's really not great. Um, and I've seen, I mean, it's, it's fixable to a certain degree. Um, and I've seen some really expensive guitars do that. Um, I, I wouldn't buy a guitar that's already doing that. Um, I mean, like I said, it can be fixed, but that's already like a major problem that you're going to have to deal with right, yeah. sooner than later. Um, and, and more likely, it's, that's going to be on like a used instrument if if you do see more that. More than likely, but yeah. But you should always check. You should yeah. always check. And, and in general, you'll probably see um, people at guitar stores always like look down the plane of the neck. Really what they're looking for, um, you don't want the neck to bow uh, up or down, but like you don't want it to look like a bow and arrow either direction. Yeah. Um. Uh. For for different reasons, but um, you really want it to pretty much look straight. It, you want it to be under a little bit, mm-hmm. but not uh. Like if you can see, like, wow, this looks like a bow and arrow. Don't buy that guitar because <laughs> yeah. that's a you know, and that that usually happens more in like really cheap guitars. Yeah. Um, like right out of the box, brand new. It, some of them are like, whoa. Yeah, uh, yeah. An easy way to tell that you're going to have a problem if the strings are really close to the fret um, all the way down the neck, that's probably not a great sign. You're probably going to fret out like we were talking earlier. Or if your strings look like really far off the neck, that's yeah. almost a worse problem. I mean, both are not good and totally can ruin your ability to play the instrument but um when the strings are really high um then you it's probably a neck problem um, yeah and and double check to like the saddles to make sure that the saddles aren't wrenched so the saddles are you know for those of you who don't know where where the part right in front of the bridge uh that we were talking about earlier on the guitar where the string like sits on and and heads down the neck right mm-hmm. towards the headstock so that's the saddle uh it's appropriately named if you see it you'll be like oh duh um but uh check to see that they're not too low or high because you can raise and lower those so so it could be that's you know the guitar in the shop just had really high uh, and that's for electrics yeah yeah yeah, yeah, right acoustic is going to be a bit different for how the saddle works for sure Um, yeah but i mean it's all you can pretty much fix anything on a guitar mm -hmm. within reason but like i was saying earlier it's just how much you want to spend like yep, yep. neck problems, they're not a cheap fit. I mean, other than just a little adjustment here or there, that's mm-hmm. fine. But if you let it go, if it's gone too far and they have to reset the neck or refret the neck or replane the neck or anything like that, you're looking at like a really huge added expense. Yeah, a couple so, hundred bucks easily. Y- oh, more. Than, yeah, probably more than that. So, you know, think about 
think about that as part of it. Um, but also, like, if, if we didn't do a great job kind of explaining what you want the neck thing to look like when you're inspecting a neck, I'm sure there's a video on YouTube so uh, showing yeah. you um, kind of what exactly it should look like. But definitely make sure that you do that before you leave the store, I yeah. think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so you've got your first guitar. Let's yeah. just say that all of those tips helped you make a decision. <laughs> And so now you're home and you have this guitar. It's super overwhelming at first to like even know what to do. Like, mm-hmm. where do you start? Everybody's like, oh, you can learn anything on YouTube now. The YouTube guitar world is really saturated. Yeah. So it's easy to kind of do like the the Netflix thing. Like, I've looked for a video for an hour and I still haven't learned anything. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So um, YouTube roulette. Yeah. I would say the first thing to do what would be to learn how to tune your guitar or bass. Definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, um, sure, for sure. And a lot of people skip that step, but the thing with guitars and basses is you pretty much have to tune it every time you pick it up. Yep. I mean, within, re- you know what I mean? Like, it, it's pretty much going to go out all the time. It, yeah. It's probably going to go out as you play it. It's just kind of the way yeah. that it goes, you yeah. know, which That's is right. a, a yep. total pain in the ass. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. <laughs> um, but it's something that you have to learn how to do. Like, yeah. it's super important. While you're at the store, get yourself a tuner. Um, or they have apps, but I mean, they're, I mean, it's an app on your phone. So it's not going to be as good as yeah. the tuner you're going to get at the guitar store. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend picking one of those up before you head out of the store, mm-hmm. a tuner. <laughs> For sure. And, you know, um, so guitar and bass are pretty similar. So standard mm-hmm. tuning on a guitar is E-A-D-G-B-E, and that's going from low to high. Uh, the easy way to remember that is Eddie Eight Dynamite Goodbye Eddie. So yep. that's going to be your standard tuning. And then for a bass, it's pretty much the same. You just take off the, it doesn't have the little strings. It's so Eddie it's, Eight Dynamite Good. It's Eddie a little darker. Di- Eddie Eight Good. Good. Is it darker? Because in my version, Eddie died. Yeah, but it said goodbye, Eddie. Like, oh, goodbye, Eddie. Sorry, oh, yeah, you I ate see. dynamite. Whereas it's like, uh, good, he ate dynamite. I'm <laughs> right. Glad, I'm glad he ate that fucking dynamite. <laughs> fucking Eddie. That's true. But yeah, um, so that's standard tuning. So in general, for almost everything that you're going to see, it's going to be that tuning. Um not so much for metal and I mean, certain folk uh, and stuff will tune just the low E string down to a D. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in metal, a lot of times every string is tuned down a good bit. Yeah. And it depends on the song and the the tuning. I know that seems contradictory to say, but, you know, um, it's really important before you learn a song, make sure that the tuning is is what you're tuned in because mm-hmm. that can be really frustrating. Um, and also know like certain artists that you're trying to learn, like Stevie Ray Vaughan or Guns N' Roses, uh, they're always going to be tuned down a half step. So, so instead um, of E, it's E flat standard. Yeah. E flat, A flat, D flat, G flat, B flat, E flat. Oh, so, and another thing actually that's really important. If you're not really a music theory person and these letters don't really mean all that much to you, um, well, you you definitely want to be a little more familiar with them because a lot of tuners, as you were mentioning, like chromatic tuners and stuff, tune only in sharps and naturals. So they don't have flats. So, for example, you should know that a D sharp is also an E flat. Um, 
because otherwise you're going to be looking at your tuner like, what the fuck is happening right yeah. now? Yeah, we'll make a video about it. Well, yeah. that, that will be in the future, kind of explaining the basics of that. But basically just know, I just wanted you to know, like, it can be super frustrating if you're like, why does patience by guns and roses not sound right i'm literally doing exactly what they're doing yeah that's what it is mm -hmm. so it's not even a big deal don't worry about it don't fret it just don't learn that as your first song maybe yeah um so that's kind of the tuning thing also like the with posture and and stuff for guitar i mean it's certain ways that you want to play guitar like if you're going like a straight classical route your posture is going to be really important mm -hmm. I would just say in general, though, unless you, if you're just wanting to learn like regular pop guitar, um, the only thing I would avoid is to play it laying down or to play it flat in your lap with your arm all twisted, um, just because that's going to create like a bad habit and eventually it will hurt your wrist. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think you have to. I mean, whatever is comfortable. It's don't kinda... slouch though. If you you don't want to lean over your because I, I know I have a tendency to do this and I a lot of kids that I teach like will be looking down at their strings, like trying to see what they're doing and like their body is like a C shape. Like don't do that because it is actually also changing the way that your arm ligaments and muscles are like positioned. And so that not only is bad for your back and your neck, but it is actually bad for, for the tendons and stuff running yeah. down your arms. Cause that goes all the way up here. You know, right. it's like, it's all I, connected. I will say too, one of the most important things that I pretty much tell all of my students before they leave on the first lesson is your hand when you play guitar, let's talk about hand posture. What the thing that you want to avoid the most is collapsing your palm against the neck. Mm. So everybody does it, it's fine. But basically you want your thumb to be facing towards the air, right? Towards the sky. And then you want to wrap your hand around that and make a C. There should be a space between the guitar neck and the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. If there's not a space, it's it's not going to work like there's there's very little that you can do, um, especially when you go to speed stuff up or to change chords or anything if if that space is not there. Um, so I would say get that right first and it's going to feel weird yeah. for most people. I think it it's very unnatural feeling and a lot of people will complain like, oh, I feel it in my arm. But that's mostly just because they're trying to manipulate in a weird way, like yeah, they're yeah. pushing their wrist forward to mm -hmm. do that. Whereas you, you really don't have to do that. It, it's all going to be in your fingers eventually and, yeah. and your thumb. Your thumb is really important. Use your thumb to your benefit when you're learning your first chords. Think about basically what you're doing. And I think this would go for guitar or bass is you're kind of using your thumb to pinch the strings between your fingers and the neck. Yeah. Right. Now you don't want to over squeeze because um, mm -hmm. most of the work, as you mentioned, should be done with your your uh, index, middle, ring, and pinky fingers. Um, and uh, the thumb, to me, and, and what, I've, what I've seen online, you know, other, like, YouTube-based people and stuff like that, a lot of them kind of say this, um, like, use the thumb more as a guide and a light pressure rather than, like, the anchor point for everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? When I said that, I don't mean, like, squeeze as hard as you can or anything yeah. like that. Just kind of use your, use your thumb as much as you can. Um, but also just kind of your thumb is really the stabilizer for everything else that's going on. Yeah. Basically kind of think about it that way. Um, so just keep it. You don't want it to ever be, if it's uncomfortable, you're probably doing something wrong. And that's where like a lesson or two may kind of help just to have somebody physically like touch you and 
be able to kind of show you what you're doing wrong because it, it in it shouldn't hurt in your wrist or arm or anything like that. The pain at first is going to be in your fingertips. Um, and I think that's guitar or bass. Cause I remember when I first played bass, like I played it for like a day and I had this like huge water blister on oh, my fingers. Really? On your plucking fingers? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It was gotcha. bad because I'd already been playing guitar. Yeah, so that yeah, part yeah. didn't do it. Uh-huh. But yeah, um, with guitar or bass, if you're playing a lot at first, you're probably going to get blisters. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you know, regular blisters on your fingers, water. Um, and it's going to hurt. But like, honestly, like it will go away if you don't give up. Yeah. Like the, the key is just to not give up. I always do the analogy. It's just like working out. Like you've done this for the first time in your life. Like imagine you worked out for the first time in your entire life. You are going to be sore the next day. Yeah. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. But like if you just never go again, the next time you go to work out, you're going to be just as sore again. Yeah, definitely. So like think about it the same way. Like do a little bit every day. Like. You know, if it hurts the first day, like don't practice for an hour, like maybe do 15 minutes here or there just until you build up some stamina. Um, but that is one thing that deters a lot of people from like playing guitar. Yeah. It's because yeah. it hurts. Um, but it's just part of it. And I promise it will go away faster than you think it will. Yeah. Um, but, you know, expect that. Um, and then I guess for guitar versus bass, I would say. The first three chords that I would learn on guitar, because you can play so many songs like this, and they're not really hard chords, Mm -hmm. would be A, D, and either E minor or E major. Neither of them is really hard. E minor is an easier chord to play, but it's not going to sound right for most of the songs I'm about to list. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you learn A, D, and your E chord, E major, that is, you already know how to play so many songs. With just those three chords, you've yeah. learned most blues songs are just those chords in a shuffle, uh, which we can talk about in a different video exactly what a shuffle is. But you can play Wild Thing by the Trogs, you know, the Wild Thing, mm-hmm. down, down. You can play Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin, just strum along. Simplified version. Yeah, 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 yeah. strum along. It'll be fun. Uh, s- stir It Up. By Bob Marley. It it's actually, <laughs> consequently, the first song that I ever learned how to play on a guitar. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, you can play Louie Louie. Louie Louie. Do, do, oh, no. I don't know the words, but you guys know that one. Uh, Back in Black, which is a really good, you know, everybody knows that one. A yeah. uh, little bit of a different order for Back in Black. It would be E first, then D, then A. Mm-hmm. But there you go. You've learned three chords and you just can play a bunch of songs, or at least the main part to a bunch right. of songs. <laughs> it, most of those probably change yeah. um, some some way. And then what would you say for bass is like the most important, like day one, try to get this fundamental at um, least down. Yeah. Day one, um, I would say, uh, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier when we were talking, um, getting like just solidly like clean notes, like, like, you know, being able to hold down the, the third fret on your E string. And in fact, uh, if you're just picking up bass, um, and and you want to get into to starting to fret a little bit, you know. In other words, holding down the string instead of just playing an open string. Um, learn the song uh, "Everyday People" by Sly and the Family Stone. It is one note the entire time. It is the third fret on the E string, the G note, and it's just pulsing, bum 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 the entire time. So what you're going to learn is not only how to use that index middle walking thing, and and now that is the the primary way to play. You can play with your thumb. You can play with a pick. You should learn how to play the bass every way you can because there's just so many cool ways to do it. Um, but anyway, um, learn how to get a nice clean note 
or your tip of your uh, fretting finger, um, generally the index is probably the first one you're going to use, um, is like right at the edge of the fret. So um, what I mean by the edge of the fret is you don't want to be on top of it. You don't want to be um, like, let's say you're holding the first fret. You don't want to have your index finger really close to the nut. You want to have it close to that first fret. Um, and that's how you're going to avoid the buzz, constant, even pressure, um, and, and timing, um, practicing, you know, trying, trying, trying to play the note on time. Now, timing is important for every musician, but bass, especially because it is a rhythm section instrument. Um, half of the job is to keep the band, you know, locked in tight, you know, with the drummer. Um, so not to mention, um, and, and honestly, this applies for both, for every instrument, um, but especially for bass, like if you chose bass, you chose a social instrument, you chose a support instrument. So you like, you can get good playing by yourself and you can do that thing. But if you want to be, if you want to be really be good and you want to actually like, you know, commit to the role of a bass player, then you got to play with other people. And, and the same, I think can be said for guitar, like just getting better in general, isn't just about like learning chords and scales and, and your practice routine. But it, for me, it's, it's speaking to people through music, right? It's the same way you get better at talking as a baby. You talk, your parents talk to you and they correct your mistakes politely or they laugh at your mistakes. They allow you to make those mistakes. Um, but you know, you're doing it with people that are better than you at it. So you, you become better at it through, through, uh, observation and, and practice, um, in a more fun setting, you know, that's not just like, all right, time to put on the metronome and do, you know, C major for right. 10 rounds. Um, so, but for guitar too, for sure. Definitely, you know, get in a room with other people, man, and, and, and play and, and trade ideas because you never know what, what you might learn from, uh, you know, from somebody who, who's either more experienced than you or, or even just a friend who, who plays as much as you do, you know? I mean, there's, there's always uh, room for growth. Yeah, so. and, and don't be afraid to mess up. Like, everybody messes up. Literally, the best professional musician that you can possibly think of, they still mess up. Yep. So, like, it's okay. Like, and... You know, challenge yourself um, as you kind of go on, maybe in the first week, you know, just keep working on those three chords. And then the next week, add one and mm-hmm. learn a new song. Like, you know, you don't have to learn every chord on guitar, like in your first couple months, like right. it's going to be OK. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. work on the fundamentals, work on transitions between chords and notes, um, slow it down. You know, don't try to do it full speed at first. Um but, you know, just don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Like, you can do this. Yeah. I, I really think even if it takes you longer than somebody else, like, just keep going. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, do it Do it for you. Do it for the the enjoyment. And, um, and it, another side note that's a cool thing about bass and guitar is that, that, you know, in standard tuning, especially, these instruments are geometric, meaning that, like, there are shapes, right, positions that your hand will do that you can move anywhere on the neck and yeah, it'll be a different chord, a C instead of a D or something, but it's still going to be that type of chord. Whereas like piano, like every single shape is different. So like, you know, you have to memorize a lot more of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, pattern, pattern recognition. I think if you're, if you're good at that kind of thing, then, then I think learning chords and stuff is going to be a lot, uh, probably easier for you. I think you'll find too, uh, and this is probably just with most things in life, but as you go, it's just generally going to get easier. Mm-hmm. Like your first f- few months, your first year is going to be the worst that it's going to be. It's like going to get better. Even mm-hmm. learning new chords, it's not going to take you as long 
once you're a year in to learn a new chord as it did in your first week. Yeah. So, you know, the important part is just, you know, if you're enjoying it, just just keep trying, you know, and even if you're not enjoying it, like give it another try. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just just don't give up, I guess, is the important part. It's it's going to it's going to work out for you if you just keep going and just keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fine motor skill is like the biggest thing, I think, with with guitar. Right. Is developing this fine motor skill with your fingers. And, you know, as as humans, we're, we're used to using our fingers and our thumbs, our opposable thumbs a lot, but not in this really specific way. So. Um, actually some things you can do to kind of work on your fine motor skills outside of playing, let's say you played all day and your fingers hurt, like your, the tips of your fingers are, are raw from the steel strings. Um, if you're into like, you know, whatever age you are, if you're into Legos or Rubik's cubes or, um, pencil spinning, anything that, that requires really fine motor control and, and, um, you know, intricate movements is, is going to help, um, don't get those little finger strengthener things, um, though, it, in my opinion, and from what I've been told, um, they don't actually help, uh, as far as like, like if anything, they can cause more damage because you're not actually trying to build strength in your fingers as much as you are trying to build control and dexterity. So doing things that are, that are not about like, how hard can I squeeze, but more so like how, how minuscule of a movement can I make with my finger and still have control over this thing or that thing? If you're a gamer, uh, that probably helps. Um, you know, things like, like other activities you can do to help with, with that motor control, I think, is, um, can definitely take you a long way. So just wanted to throw that out there. Of course. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at SDD Podcast. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. And don't forget, have fun, don't do too much, and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm.